now we're in week number three of full of it. And uh, I got a bunch of people here that are full of it. I'm full of it. And uh, hopefully when you leave here, you're full of it too. And uh, we're not talking about it the negative way that some of you heard, but we're talking about the positive. It's based on this scripture found in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So our goal and the hinge for all of this verse is hope. And our goal is that we would be full and overflowing with hope. Like th- that's, the, that's actually kind of the hinge of the, having the joy, which we talked about last week, and having the peace. The hinge is really hope. And seeing God as the God of hope. And what I want to challenge you to in this series is that you are so full of it that it has to spew out of you, that it has to come out of you, even when negative things happen. If you missed the video, we're trying to make it go viral. Last week we shared, and the week before we shared, our youth pastor falling out of his chair. We're not going to share it again this week, but you can't catch it on Facebook. Have yourself a good laugh. But what took place is he was full of Chet's hot dogs, fell out of his chair, hit the ground, and then had to throw up before he left because he was so full of it. And so my challenge, my goal for all of us is to actually be so full of the hope and the joy and the peace that when negative things hit our lives, when something goes wrong, that we have to spew out hope and joy and peace, that we don't have a choice because that's what we're full of. And so to do that, we're going to talk about hope today. Um, Hope is really simple. I I don't want to overcomplicate what hope means, what hope is. Let's not try to overcomplicate it. Hope is simply expecting good to happen. That's it. You are expecting something good. That's hope. That's the definition of hope. And what I want to challenge you to do is to actually see the world the way God has called you to see it, which is through the lens of hope. And I'm going to challenge you to see see it through the lens of hope. Now, I've got some sunglasses, and I found out that one of our our worship team members, I'm not going to say that her name is Hannah, but one of our worship team members has apparently a sunglass addiction because I wanted a few extras for illustration purposes, and she had like 30. So if you could pray for her, uh, let her know you're praying for her. But uh, hope is actually a lens that you see the world through. The, the, the hope is a, is a lens that when you put it on, it changes what you see. You see things differently when you have the God of hope in your life and you're full of the Holy Spirit and are seeing things the way God has called you to see them. And so as you do that, I want you to have this lens of, of hope in your life, that that's how you see the world, that it changes the way that you see the world because now you see it through the lens of hope. Now, look, you, everybody's got a lens. All of us have a lens that we see the world through. Some of us don't like to admit it. We don't want to admit that we're biased. We don't want to admit that we have a lens that we read scripture through. We don't want to admit that we have a lens that we see the world through. And we, we got this like political lens and everything is about whether someone's a Republican or a Democrat. And some of us have other lenses where we're like, Man, it's really about status. It's really about whether that person has a nice car. Oh, this isn't my status one. Hold up. That's my bad. This is my status one, okay? It's really, you know what I'm saying? It's really about how fancy you are. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see the world and put people in groups based on what they drive, what they wear, if they got the logos or not, right? Fanciness, all right? So whatever lens you're putting on, the Elton John lens, I think is what this one's called, uh, whatever lens you're putting on in your life, it's there. You have a lens through which you see the world. So today, I want you to recognize whatever lens you're you're wearing, right? That you would actually take it off. And you would put on a different lens. Because you're going to have a lens. I just want you to have it be the lens of hope. 
What's crazy is our lenses are so powerful. Our lenses are so strong that we even read Scripture through these lenses. These are my Scripture lenses or my theological lenses. Maybe the way you were raised in church and the way they've told you to view Scripture or the treatment that you've had in life and how difficult life was for you, you might view Scripture through that lens. Maybe, maybe in a positive sense, maybe in a negative sense, where you view Scripture through that lens and that's all you can see. And you start to highlight Scriptures that affirm what you want to believe or what you already believe. Or you look over Scriptures that might disagree with you because they don't, they don't feel good. I, the reason I know this is because even right now, uh, you can go online and you can get on Facebook and somebody is going to tell you about the end of the world. Anybody see Raise your hand if you've seen that post on some interaction. It's coming. Now, if there's ever been a year where I understand, let's talk about the end of the world. It is 2020 where I get it. Something ain't right. Let's do this. I don't, I have we tried restarting it? You know, like I've seen that meme or like I would like to end my subscription to 2020. How do I cancel all of those things I get? But when I look at scripture, at the, like I've read Revelation and the book of Revelation starts with comfort each other with these words. But the end of the world posts seem to not be about comfort, right? It's like about fear and terror and how it's all bad and everything's bad and the world's going to hell in a handbasket. All of these things that comfort each other with these words, brothers and sisters, we're all going to die, right? Like that's not that's not comforting. I don't go to sleep at night thinking about, oh, oh, everybody's dying. Everybody's going to hell. It's so happy. Why would it say that unless there's a different view of that book? A different view of Revelation that says he's going to wipe every tear from their eye and there will not be any sorrow anymore. And he's going to make it all right in the end. And maybe if we're going to talk about the end, let's talk about how God's going to make it right and how God's going to fix some things because I got the lens of hope on and I see God differently and I see the world differently because I choose. So listen, if there's anything you get out of today, recognize it's a choice. You have a choice to whether to continue to leave the lenses on you've been raised with or that you're, it's in your genetics. I don't care what your excuse is. You, whatever the reason you have your lens are, you have the choice to take them off and to put on the God, lens God has for you, which says, I'm the God of hope and not just a little hope, but overflowing with hope. And I'm going to challenge you today to put that lens on and make it a choice. Now, look, it may not seem like a choice because it's habitual for you. For some of you, your lens is habitual. But when you first start a habit... It was a choice, and then it became habitual. When you first started, you had to think, I'm going to eat healthy. Ooh, I'd rather have a cheeseburger, but I'm going to have a salad instead. Ooh, I'd rather have that, those Twinkies, but I'm going to eat an apple instead. Right? You, you had to make an actual choice. And then over time, some of us are still working on it. I get it. We're struggling. We're trying to get there. And over time, it was like, oh, I didn't, we didn't buy Twinkies. All I got is, is apples. Over time, it was like, 7 a.m. I go to the gym. That's what I do because that's a it's a habit now, not just a choice. I wake up. I don't check Facebook. I check my scriptures. Right. It was a choice at first to skip that. Now it's a habit. I I don't I don't have to change the radio station because it's such a habit to worship on my way to work and on my way home. It's not it's not a choice anymore. Now it's a habit. Right. So at first it might be a choice. So now you've got to make a choice to say "Uh, this ain't easy because I'm going to see what happened with COVID and I don't see hope. But. I'm going to choose to put on hope because I serve the God of hope. I I see what's happening with the politics. I see what's happening in our country. I don't like it, but I'm going to choose to view it through hope anyways because that's who my God is. So I'd rather view it through his lens than my lens anyways. And my God's doing something. He's working through something. And what I want you to see is that when you put that lens on, it changes the way you see the world. 
It will change you. And it might be really, really emotional. What I've been watching this week, and what I was actually surprised by this week, is that I was watching people put on glasses from when they were colorblind, and there's new glasses out they can put on, and they can see color for the very first time. People were born colorblind. And what shocked me is that in every single video, I'm mean, talking about grown, big, buff men, talking about women, talking about kids, every single time they put those glasses on and saw color for the first time, all of them were emotional. I mean, not like a little emotional, like full-on, can't-contain-it emotion. Because they saw the world the way they were meant to see it for the very first time. And it changed everything for them. And I want to show you one of those. And one of these, one of my favorites was a seventh grader that got to see for the very first time. Let's check it out. Okay, they're all yours. Let's see what it, see what it does. Maybe, come on, you got to get excited about that. Maybe that's the emotion you need to have today. Because God put some glasses on you to see the world the way you were supposed to see it the whole time. See, that kid was supposed to have always seen color. And maybe for the first time today, you're going to go, oh, this is different. God did something different in me. And what, why I showed you the seventh grader is because when you see the world the way God sees it, you can't help but have emotion. It can't help change things. The reason I know he couldn't help it is because I remember what it was like to be a seventh grade boy. Now, I know at least half of you don't remember what it was like to be a seventh grade boy. One of our goals in seventh grade as boys was to not cry in front of our whole class. Like we woke up thinking like, if I can do anything today, Lord, don't let me cry in front of all my friends in my class in seventh grade. That's a big deal. And he couldn't he couldn't stop it. Like you did, you don't well, if you can avoid it, you would stop it. But he couldn't stop it because it affected him. It changed the way he saw the world. He saw it differently. And there was an emotional response because of what took place in his life, because everything was changed. Even if he didn't want to cry, he couldn't help but cry because he saw the world differently. He saw it for the first time the way that God had called him to see it. And I pray that today you don't walk out of here without seeing the world the way God has called you to see it. I want to tell you about a couple of guys that saw it the way they were supposed to see it, and their name is Caleb and Joshua. And what's taking place for Caleb and Joshua, I'm going to set up where they're at in this moment of time. They actually are a part of the Israelites, the Jewish community, who have been set free from Egypt, right? They, they lived in Egypt. All of the Israelites were slaves in Egypt for like some 400 years. And then they saw God bring 10 plagues to deliver them, like not like... Maybe that was God. not like 2020 where we're like, is that God or is that like, is that, are we just crazy? Can we not just like listen and wear masks or is there a real pandemic? Right. Not like this question. It was like, no, that was God. OK, frogs don't fall from the sky. This ain't right. Water don't turn to blood. Something ain't right. They knew it was God. God set them free. Ten plagues to set them free. Then they they get free. They get right next to the Red Sea and the, the Egyptian army was like, nah, let's get them back. We kind of need these slaves. There are people. How are we going to build the pyramids without these guys? Because we don't want to do it. Those are big rocks. So they start chasing after the Israelites. I filled all that in. I don't know what the Egyptian army was thinking, okay? If you go to read Scripture, <laughs> if you go to read Scripture and you're like, Jared lied to me, I just filled in the blanks. That's not me. I was just kidding. So they get there. 
The Egyptian army is chasing them and they're like, oh, thanks a lot, God. Just bring us here to the Red Sea to die. And then God parts the Red Sea. They walk across on dry land. The Egyptian army goes to follow them. Red Sea collapses in on them. They're set free, right? They are at a place in the middle of the desert to this spot that they all know is God's promised land for their life. Like this is, this is God's country for us. We know it was designed for us. And so Moses, who is leading them, says, all right, I'm going to send 12 spies. I want you to check it out. He sends 12 spies. Two of them are Caleb and Joshua. They go, go over, and all 12 of them, when they come back, agree. This land is good. Like they call it, the, the epitome of what they call it is the land of milk and honey. It's flowing with milk and honey. This land is perfect. Right? Everything about it is good. And they're like, but the people are huge. Okay? These people are giants, and they were, they were like, they must be sons of angels, right? They're like, they're like crossbreeds because they are huge and they're going to kill us. That, that's essentially what all 12 of them acknowledge that there are giant people in this land and we look like, they say that we look like grasshoppers in their eyes. Like, we might can jump, but that's all we got, okay? We got nothing left. They're going to kill us. They're going to step on us. They're going to bat us out of the sky. And uh, they're like, but the land's good. The, the land is so good that they pick a cluster of grapes and to carry it back, they put it on a pole between two guys. That's how big the grapes are. Never seen grapes that big. I can't even fathom grapes that big. The only thing I can think is maybe they discovered watermelons for the very first time and didn't know what they were looking at. <laughs> Except watermelons don't go in clusters, so I have no idea how you have these massive clusters of grapes. But it's that amazing of land for them. And 12 of them are like, no, let's, or 10 of them are like, we can't do it. Like, they're, they're too big. They got all of Israel there, and they're telling them, 10 of them, like, no chance, not going to happen. These guys are too big. They'll kill us. Then Caleb speaks up in Numbers chapter 13, verse 30, and then it says this in uh, that verse of Numbers 13, verse 30. I'm going to wait till it's up there. Oh, yeah. Oh, here we go. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. For... What you talk, Caleb, we, we just agreed together that we look like grasshoppers to them. What are you talking about, Caleb? Like, I know that that watermelon grape was delicious and all, but that's not our, like, we cannot do this. That is not for us. But see, what Caleb was able to see is God's promise bigger than the giants that were in front of him. So when you put on your lenses, if you're taking notes, I want you to get this. Don't let the obstacle, the size of the obstacle, distract you from the size of God's promise. Listen, don't let the obstacles in your life distract you from the size of God's promise for your life. Because Caleb was able to look back and see through a different lens. See, Caleb was able to look back and remember, oh, there were ten plagues when we were in slavery and we had no chance. And God set us free from slavery. Caleb was able to look back and remember what his God had done for them. And he was able to remember like, like we were at the Red Sea, we all should have died, and we walked on dry land. There was a sea before, and then we walked on dry ground across to the other side. My God's bigger than these giants. So there's a couple things I need you to recognize. One, recognizing God's promise is not ignorant of what's in front of you. It, Caleb was able to acknowledge, no, these guys are big. But it's not, you're not digging your head in the sand and acting like it doesn't exist, right? You're not like, well, COVID, we're going to walk out of COVID-19. We ain't never heard of it because we got hope. We got Jesus. We don't even talk about sickness no more. I'm not saying let's be foolish. I'm not saying let's act foolish. I'm just saying Caleb 
believed in something that God had promised him more than he believed the obstacle that was in front of him. See, it will change your perspective. It will change how you act when you have the lens of hope and you decide, I will act on the lens of hope. It's not enough to just have faith that it's going to happen or belief, I should say, that it's going to happen. You need to have action steps that say your belief is, is what you believe. Right? That's what scriptural faith is. Is that when you have action steps, the best analogy I've ever heard is it's one thing to walk out of the house and believe that Travis Meyer was right, that it's going to rain today. That's one thing. Like, yeah, I believe it's going to rain. It's another thing when you bring an umbrella for you, with you because you trust that it's going to happen today. Because you know Travis Meyer ain't wrong. He ain't going to be wrong. He ain't never been wrong because he's Travis Meyer. Then you have faith. Then you have an action step. When you, when you have on the lens of hope, and it changes the way you view, it changes the way you walk, it changes the way you talk, it changes the way you act. And you say, you know what, I can take out this giant. You can say, you know what, I don't, man, I really don't know why COVID-19 happened. I don't know why there's a global pandemic. I don't know what's going on, but I know my God is going to do something through it. I know that he's teaching me some things in the midst of this storm. I know that my God has promises for me on the other side. I know he's doing some things in the church world and he's purifying some motives in us and helping us decide, is God who he says he is? Are we willing to worship him in the midst of the storm? We're saying like, oh, now I, I know I lost my job. I know that money is tight, but now I need to trust God more than I ever have before. And he's teaching some, me some things in the hard times more than I was ever willing to learn in the good times. See, it's not blindness to what's going on. It's hope despite of what's going on. That you see the world differently and it changes everything about you. It said this about Caleb in uh, Numbers chapter 14 Verse 24, it says, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. See, I don't I don't want you to just walk out of here with a good emotion and like, oh, everything's fine. Everything's going to be good. See, the, the lens you view things through the way that you have hope and believe in the God of hope will change what you can do in this life and it will affect people around you, your descendants. See, Caleb, all the rest of the ten, what happened to them is God said, like, they don't trust me, even though I've shown them everything that they need to show, that I need to show them. They don't trust me, so they can't get the promised land. Like, there's nothing I can do more to prove to them I am who I say I am. So why in the world am I going to bless them with the promised land? They haven't trusted me yet. I showed them the ten plagues. I showed them the parting of the Red Sea. There's nothing I can do to prove it to them. But Caleb, because he trusted me and believed in me. Oh, no, no. That's different. He's going to inherit and his descendants are going to inherit this land because of his vision of hope, because of the spirit that was in him. The way he viewed the world changed what he got in his life. And see, we, we want to throw shade because like when we're reading the story, we look at Caleb and we're like, well, yeah, of course. I mean, it was 10 plagues in the Red Sea. It makes sense. Of course, he's going to believe it. So why do these other 10 fools? Why are they out there acting foolish? And we think that that's a crazy idea. Until we recognize how many times we've done it in our own life. How, how many times God has brought us through financial despair? How many times God has brought us through a sickness? And one thing happens, we're like, oh, the world's falling apart. I've got to tweet about it. I've got to make a Facebook post about how terrible my life is. I've got to share fear with everybody because I'm scared and the pandemic's terrible. It's a conspiracy theory. Whatever, fill in the blank for us. I've got to spread fear, not hope, because my vision changed immediately, even though I know what God's done before. Even though I know God saved my family, healed my kids, I know some sickness happens. I changed my vision. And it's, listen, I've, 
I've done it. All of us have done it. That's why I don't think the ten are so absurd. Because I've seen miracles and then still had doubt after that miracle. Right? I remember not that long ago, ago, my wife's cousin was in the ICU because he had overdosed. And I mean like ICU as in he's on a ventilator and they actually put a cold pack on his body because he was an organ donor. And the doctors and the nurses had said, there's no chance. Like, we're, they're the professionals. I trust professionals, most of them. He's not, we've done this before, okay? This is not our first time. It's not like, the first, uh, I'm a new doctor, here's whatever. Thousands of times they've been in the ICU and they can see what the heart rate looks like, what the brain function looks like. He doesn't have a chance. And most of the family was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, okay, say your goodbyes. I mean, family members going in to say their goodbyes before they pulled the vent. And there was a few of us that were like, nah, let's just try God. What if we just gave him a shot? What's the worst that can happen? He's going to die anyways. What's the worst that can happen if we give God a shot and pray for healing in this moment? So we started to speak it. We're like, well, what if we look stupid? That don't matter. We started to believe it and we started to pray. And there was a few of us rallying like, God, if you could show up, this would be cool. In this moment, this will be the time. They pulled the vent. His heart kicked in. His brain function kicked in. He's still alive today because of what God had done. So what I want you to know is even after that, I've had moments where I question and I let, I let the world put another lens on my eyes. And I, and I think maybe something else would do. Maybe, 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 maybe God's done. Maybe it's not. I've let the world try to put on a different lens rather than the lens of the God of hope. And to believe that there's more out there for my life and those around me because of who God is and what God wants to do. I'm going to put on a different lens after all I've been through. Yeah, we're going to look just like those other ten. We're going to look real foolish. We'll get to the end of our life. And God's like, do you remember what I did for you? Do you know what I showed you? Do you not remember how I healed? Do you not remember how I brought your family through? Do you not remember what I've done in your life? That time you asked, I delivered. You don't remember that. And you put on another lens. You let the lens of wanting to look good to somebody else trump the God of hope. You let the lens of of trying to, to, to make sure that you were right rather than you showed love trump all of the other stuff. Instead of putting on my lens and sharing hope and showing hope. Because that God, that God of hope, he does, it, it changes things. Look, look, here's the deal. I, I mean, whichever one, I don't know which one. Anyway, this, let's do the hearts. These are hearts. Hannah has a heart glasses. Can you imagine me driving down the road with these? Let's imagine. Hello, hello, Pastor Jared. Uh, listen, I put these lenses on. It's not that funny, all right? <laughs> I put these lenses on. I see different. But I put these lenses on. I look different. See, Caleb stood out amongst all his people. So did Joshua, because Joshua's back in Caleb. They look different. The world will see you different, right? If you blend in, if you're starting to blend in and agreeing with one side or the other on any situation, and you just look like the rest of the world, I would start to question whether or not you got the, the, the lens of hope on. Y'all can't take me serious. My wife is just over there cracking up. <laughs> I would start to question whether or not I really have God's spirit inside of me and I'm really following that. Whether I'm really full and overflowing. Because if I follow Jesus, I should look different. I shouldn't be the fear monger. I shouldn't be the one that's, that's spreading all the, the, the scare things that are going on. I shouldn't be the one that looks like everybody else. Because there's somebody who says, no, I'm going to say hope. When everybody else is saying run, I'm going to say let's stand our ground and see what God is going to do. Because we are called.
to get through the other side. And there's a scripture I shared last week, and it, I just, it's one of my favorite verses, and I need it to get in your spirit because it, it affects what happens. Romans 8, 28 says, We know all things, that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. See, there's a, there's a faith activation that's called to take place when you believe that's true. Right? The God of hope. I told you that Caleb's life was different because of the hope and the spirit that was inside him. Our decision to trust God and follow him changes the direction of our life. If you don't live like that's true, then it's not true for you. Yeah. Let me say that again. If you don't live like that's true, it's not true for you. So you can't attain a promise that you don't strive for and believe in. And in this moment right here, God is saying, I'm going to work some things out, but you're going to have to trust me to do it. You're going to have to follow me. You're going to have to take my steps. You can't walk on water unless you trust Jesus to say, get out of the boat and walk on water. You can't have the promised land unless you trust him that he'll defeat the giants in your life to get you there. That's what's different. And I see things differently because I see this scripture and it's in me. And I believe that there is no pandemic. There is no economy. There is no situation. There's no sickness that can stop my God from working it out for my good. And the good of those around me. Because when his spirit's inside of you, it changes how you look. It changes how you view the world. And you stop worrying so much about the nice car so that you can impress people and you start thinking, man, I want to be blessed and get out of debt because when I'm in a life group and someone's hurting, I'm just going to stroke that check. I'm just going to write it. Someone's in debt, what you got? I know you. I know you're fighting. I know you're doing what God's called you. Let me just write you that check. Oh, you need somebody to help you with your rent? Let me just write that check because that's how my God has blessed me because that's what my God... It's, it's not about the nicer stuff. It's about being a bigger blessing that you have hope so that you can share hope. That you don't just want hope. So, hey, every, day, every morning I feel good. I'm good. But it changes you so that you can change others. And what? Yeah, you can get excited about that. I want you to watch. I want you to watch this video one more time. And, and just because I like it, but also because there's something that you missed in this video that I'll tell you after. Let's check it out. Okay, they're all yours. Let's see what it, see what it does. What you probably what you don't know about this video is that the, the adult that gives him a hug, the man that's in that video, was colorblind. And someone had shown him the glasses, and then he found out about one of his students that was colorblind, and he was able to let him try the glasses and wear the glasses. See, because he saw the world differently, he was able to help somebody else see the world differently. So the hope of God that's inside of you is not just for you. It's so that you can be full and overflowing and help other people see the world differently. So maybe we go back and we reassess our whole life and we go, you know what? I've been seeing it all wrong. He brought me through that so I could bring somebody else through. I'm not going to speak fear no more. I'm going to show them hope. I'm going to let them know that, yeah, I'm going through it now, but watch what God's about to do because I serve the God of hope. If you would bow your heads with me. I want to challenge you that... One, you're going to need the Holy Spirit in this moment to help you see differently. But if you want it, it'll be a choice, and he'll provide it for you. 
If you're saying, I, I know it'll be difficult, and I know that I'll have to make a choice every day to put on the lens of hope, the God of hope, and follow his spirit in my life and trust his promises. But if you're saying, I'm willing to try, I want that, help me to fight for it, help me to do whatever it takes to be that Caleb in the world around me. God, help me to see the way that you see the world. If that's you and you want me to pray for you this week, would you raise your hand? My hand's going on up all over. God, I pray for a group of people who would be different when they walk out of this building because they're going to see the world different. They won't, they won't spew fear or any other anxiety into the world around them, but God, they're going to be hope dealers from here on out. They're going to see the world through your lens and watch you do some miraculous things that you're going to get the victory in the midst of the storm. You're going to get the victory on the other side of the storm. You're going to get the victory for the healing, for the deliverance. God, they're going to see their family different. There are going to be people in their life that they thought were long gone, but now they serve the God of hope, so they're going to be believing that they're going to hit rock bottom so they can see you and know you and be the prodigal son. God, we're praying and believing for every situation because we see and believe in the God of hope. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, there's others of you. Man, maybe you've never taken the opportunity to find out who God is. It makes total sense to me. If you don't believe in Jesus or follow Jesus with your life, wear whatever lens makes you happy. Like, where, like some of us put on lenses that, that we can get by through life if we emotionally manipulate people, right? If we can make people feel guilty, then they'll show us that they love us. And so we get, we get something out of that. We're like, oh, yeah, I feel better about myself because my family cares about me because I laid guilt on them. Some of us have guilt lenses that we put on to survive because of the defense mechanisms of our childhood that we, we know that we can't trust nobody because we've been hurt before in our childhood. We've been hurt. So of course you would have that lens on. Then nobody can be trusted because you've been hurt and you've been through it. Of course I'm not going to be free from addiction because I know what it looks like. I've seen it my parents. They weren't able to get free. So of course I'm going to be addicted. I just have to maintain it. That makes sense. If you don't follow Jesus, that makes sense that you'd have that lens on. But today, I hope you find out that there's a God who sent his son to break you free from all of those lenses, all of those viewpoints. And you find out that he put his blood inside of you. Your genetics don't matter anymore because the king of kings sent his son to die on the cross for your sins 